Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. We put our hand over our heart because we make some declarations and we speak it from our hearts. So say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I'm the apple of God's eye. I'm God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands. Say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you greet some people around you? So glad you're here. Such an honor to have you with us today. Thank you so much. You know, when I think about Christmas, there's so many words and, um, and I'm just going to hang out on the word wonder because I think Christmas is wonder. And there's a lot of definitions for wonder. One of the definitions is that wonder is both awe and awful. It's awesome and it's awful. By the way, the, the ushers have some notes. If you'd like to take some notes uh, today, we have those for you. And also a pen if you need a pen. But I just want to tell you this, that the enemy of your soul, the devil, wants to steal your wonder. In other words, he wants enough havoc to happen in your life, enough issues to happen in your life, enough things that don't go right to happen in your life, that it takes the wonder out of your marriage. It takes the wonder out of your business. It takes the wonder out of your heart. It takes the wonder out of your life. And all of us here today have things that we're facing that, uh, that if we really get focused on what's going on, it, it, it could be more awful than awesome. And more than us being in awe, we're shocked by what's going on. And I know you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, don't worry. We, we all have stuff that happens in our life. And so in just talking about this with uh, our team, my thought process was Christmas is wonder. And it's such a wonderful story that, that this weekend I wanted to talk about how to navigate to a wonderful future. You know, we're all uh, in some type of navigation uh, mode in our life. Um, we're navigating through life and, and we've, that's kind of been brought into our sphere, uh, our level of consciousness with now maps that help us navigate. You know, there's apps, there's Google, there's, there's ways, there's all kinds of things. And in fact, I, um, I'd known about uh, Google Maps for about a week, no, but I'd known about Google Maps and, uh, and then heard about Waze. My wife was using it one day and we were actually uh, on the road and it was in Dallas. I knew where I was going, but she just had it on. And uh, so we were at, at I-35, right where the American Airlines Center is. And we were about to take the exit to get on the tollway to come up to Frisco. And Waze was, was rerouting us. And I, this is the first, my ex, first exposure to Waze. And I told her, I said, hey, that's totally wrong. I, I don't know why it's telling us to do that. But, but I'm not doing that. I, I know where I'm going. I took the exit. I'm coming up over the ramp to get on the tollway, back to back, bumper to bumper uh, traffic. And it took us an hour, almost an hour and a half to get to Frisco. And uh, so that was my first experience, not to doubt ways. So then there was another time where we're navigating, you know, we're, we're using ways and, and it said it, it rerouted us. And I said, you know, I just, I can't believe that. In fact, we were actually leaving our house here in Frisco and we're just going to the tollway and it's telling us a totally different way, a longer way to go to the tollway. And I go, that could, that just could, it, it couldn't be right. She goes, remember last time? I go, I do. And so show enough. I mean, it was right. Waze was right. And so I think about that, that, you know, we have this technology to help us navigate, you know, directionally where we think we're going. But in life, we forget that we've been given the ultimate navigational tool, the word of the living God. And so even when I was, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share what I'm going to share with you today. And even when I was thinking it through and praying it through, I thought, navigate? I mean, really? And, and so anyway, I just, uh, 
This today is December the 10th. And one of the things I really want to encourage you to do, I've done this since I was 15 years old, is I've read the proverb a day, uh, every day. It just is 31 proverbs. And so you may not, you know, get to massively study the Bible, but you can read the proverb of the day. And I've just, I've just rolled that into the rhythm of my life. And uh, I'll never forget when I was in 1984, um, I was a youth pastor and uh, Sheila and I hadn't been married for that long. And uh, I decided that year that, you know, I'd, I'd always read the Bible. I got a Bible degree. I mean, I studied Hebrew and Greek and, you know, I mean, but, and, and it had been, you know, a man of the word and served God in my youth and all that. But I really got a hunger for the word of God. And I decided I was going to go through the Bible once a month uh, for every month in 1984. Well, I ended up read, reading the Bible cover to cover 15 times in, in 1984 and, and, uh, and just had an insatiable hunger and still do have an insatiable hunger for the word of God and to know God through his word and to know that his word is for me and his word is for us. And just in that quest, um, uh, I've, I've gone through Proverbs just on a daily basis. And I just thought to start this message this morning, I would share with you from the Amplified Bible what Proverbs 10, 17 says as it relates to navigating. He who heeds instruction and correction is not only himself in the way of life, but also is a way of life for others. And he who neglects or refuses reproof, not only himself goes astray, but also causes to err and is a path towards ruin for others. What does this tell us? That if I allow my life to be navigated by the word of God, I not only am in the way of God's way, God's righteousness, which means his way of doing things, not being more gooder than I am badder, not doing more right than I do wrong. That's, that's the definition of Christianity for most people. Well, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. And that's, they think somehow they're better because they don't do as much bad as other people do. But that's not God's goal for your life. God's goal for your life is to do your life his way to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things and finding that out for your marriage, finding that out for your business, finding that out for your life, finding that out in the midst of the journey, wherever you find yourself today on your search, because we are all on some type of quest. And in regards to that, if we, if we choose to navigate our life by this book, we not only create a path of prosperity and success for ourselves but we also create a path for others to follow. But if I choose not to navigate, if I choose not to heed the instructions of this book, it not only causes me to err, but it becomes, my life becomes a path of ruin for other people. So I take that very seriously. Let me just stop right here and say this. You're in a church that's not called Average Life Church. This is called Elevate Life Church. And we believe God wants you to be successful. We believe that God wants you to be prosperous. We believe that God wants you to be blessed. And let me just tell you something. You'll always have the poor. You'll always have the sick among you. But listen very carefully. And we're to love them and care for them. And we do as a church. But poor people can't help people. That's why God wants you to be, to be a person that's blessed so that you truly can be a blessing to other people. So if you're, if you're here today and you don't believe that God wants you to be successful and that God wants you to prosper, there's other churches. Because in this church, we believe God wants you to be blessed and he wants you to be prosperous and he wants your life to help other people. And I'm not saying that to be tactless. I'm saying that because I'm the father of this house. That in this family, we believe in blessing. We believe in prosperity. We believe that God wants you to prosper, even as your soul prospers, that you, that you, be, that you be whole, that you be, that you be wealthy, both spirit, soul, and body in the name of Jesus. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. So as we talk about how to navigate to a wonderful life, um, I, was, I was just thinking about all the, the stories in the Bible about what happened when God spoke to Mary. And how wonderful it must have been when she heard those words, you are blessed and highly favored. You have found favor with God and how excited she was. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, and by the way, you're going to get pregnant. Well, I know like Joseph and I, are, but uh, no, 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 that's not going to happen with Joseph. God's going to do it because you're blessed and highly favored. Do you realize the problem that you just 
whatever that word was is about to cause me some great conflict and consternation. And as good as you're blessed and highly favored of the Lord, the next part of that is that you're going to become pregnant. And by the way, you're going to have a son and his name is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so many wonderful things are going to happen. But hey, between that time and right now, how do I navigate this? Was Mary's problem. You see, between what we believe God's promises are for us and where we are today, the problems that we have today, the difficulties that we face today, the the, the particular complexities maybe that there's going on in your life right now, if your life doesn't seem complex right now, don't wait, just live longer. Like just live longer. And some of you who've lived longer like me, I'm 57, about to be 58, you'll know that it doesn't get easier, but in the name of Jesus, it gets better. It gets better. But, but it, it, it is a determination of how you navigate your life. And so Mary had to navigate her life. She had to, she had to navigate her life. She, I'm going to get pregnant. How do I explain this to Joseph? How do I explain it to myself? I, I, how am I going to explain it to my family? How, it, was just all, it seems like such a wonderful story, but man, the navigation began when she received this word from God. She had her life kind of planned out, her and Joseph, and all of a sudden she's faced with a dilemma. Maybe today you're here and you're faced with some type of dilemma. And again, if you aren't here today with a dilemma, there will be a dilemma that you'll have to face. And that's why God wants you to get his word inside you. Because the Bible says his word is a lamp into your feet and a light into your pathway. And if you'll hide his word in your heart, you won't sin against God. That doesn't mean you won't do something wrong. Listen, here's what it means. It means you won't err in your navigation. And all that you do will prosper in the name of Jesus. You know, Joseph, he... He finds out that Mary's pregnant. Of course, what did the Bible say? He was going to put her away. Probably. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to embarrass himself. He didn't want to embarrass his family. I mean, he, he, he thought he was getting a virgin and he's getting a pregnant woman that she tells him the story. God did this to me. Who's going to believe that? It just is almost crazy. And yet he gets a word from God and says, hey, this is the Lord. And by the way, it's going to work out. Well, he had to navigate that. How do we explain it to our parents? How do we... You know, how do we keep our reputation in this? People aren't going to believe this. On and on I could go. But I was talking to my son, and whom I'm well pleased, Josh, about this. And uh, my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that was the big guy up here before. And I said, you know, I've got all these things in my heart. He goes, Dad, I just think you need to focus on the wise men. Because they're called wise for a reason. And long story short, that's what I'm going to do today. So I've given you the kind of the cliff notes of Mary and Joseph, and there's other people that had to navigate in this Christmas story. But, but, but you know, the, the, the word seemingly from God took the wonder right out of their life to where now I've, I'm not living on the awesome side of life. I'm about to get married. I'm living on the awful side of life because, wow, I'm a virgin and I'm pregnant by God and Joseph is going to have to swallow that pill. And how do we explain it? But the story of the Magi or the wise men is this journey that gives us a picture of the ways of God. There's a great deal in the Bible that talks about journeys. We don't look at it that way, but people have had to navigate their life. The first thing that God said to Abraham was, go to a place that I will show you. He says, go to a place that you've never been, that you know not of. By the way, I'm going to direct you. I'm going to guide you. And Abraham got up and he went. The Bible goes on to say this, that Israel was formed as a nation by a journey from Egypt through the wilderness of the promised land. Both Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua are all about navigation. The children of Israel navigating from, from Egypt into the promised land, an 11 day journey that ended up taking 40 plus years because in the process of their navigation, they had to learn a few things. By the way, how many of you, if God wants you to learn something in 11 days, you don't want it to take you 40 years to learn it? That's called going around in circle. We'll go around in circles. We fly high like a bird up in the sky. It's a song we used to sing in church when I was growing up. You see, that's a lot of people going around in circles because they're not being navigated by the word of God. So this journey of the Magi is in the same way that Herod and the scribes in Jerusalem found themselves in a situation because here they were on this journey to, 
to find this, 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 this baby born king of the Jews. And they traveled, a lot of people don't know this, but over a thousand miles. Now to travel a thousand miles wasn't just getting on a plane like I'm gonna do this afternoon and go to Alabama to do a mastermind with some CEOs tomorrow in Alabama. But it's not just jumping on a plane and doing a two hour flight. It's not just getting on a train, not just jumping in your car, but back then to go a thousand miles took up to two years. So they take this journey based on this word from God that they had gotten and they had so little, but they believed what they had and what ended up happening is they would be the first ones that would have the privilege to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what I find very interesting is that there were people in Jerusalem that knew about this and we were just in Jerusalem Bethlehem is only five miles from Jerusalem, but nobody was going to Bethlehem from Jerusalem. But there were these wise men that had a word from God and they traveled from the east over a thousand miles and they followed a star. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Here's the story, Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star. Everybody say his star. We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as everyone in Jerusalem was. So he calls a meeting of, with the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. And he says, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And so where are they getting their information? Again, they're getting their information from ancient script. They're getting their information from what became the Jewish Bible. And they said, well, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet spoke. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So Herod's listening to this. He's listening to this religious leaders because he's heard now that there's wise men that have got, come over a thousand miles. By the way, they weren't just wise men. They were rich wise men. And why would these wise men come? Now, we've always heard it's three wise men. We've always heard they showed up in a manger and we've seen the little Christmas pageants with that kind of stuff and pictures on, on Christmas cards and have written Christmas songs. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far. But it's not true. We don't know if there is three wise men. And we know that they didn't show up in the manger because it was over a thousand miles that they journeyed. And the Bible says after Jesus was born. So on and on I could go here, but here, here's what I want to tell you. That as they traveled, Herod got word of it. Why? Because when the wise men got in town, they didn't go find the poor people in the community and go, hey, where is he that's born king of the Jews? They went to the cream de la cream. They went to the top of the top. They, 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 they began to go into the high places of the city and say, hey, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Because uh, we, we know y'all all know about it, but, but we've traveled a thousand miles to get here. Surely all y'all are aware of this. No, we're not aware of this. Uh, what's, what's going on? So Herod starts asking the question. The religious leaders, uh, the, the Pharisees, they start digging in. Oh, Bethlehem, Judea. Well, that's, that, that must be what they're talking about. And so he gets all freaked out. Well, here's what the Bible says. So Herod calls for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. By the way, whose star was it? His star. Hmm, not just a star. It was his star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview with the wise men, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east, now listen to this for over a thousand miles, guided them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the child, his mother Mary, they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of, say it with me, gold and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Everybody say, by another route. So I want to talk to you about how to navigate your life to a wonderful life. Anybody interested in that? Let's just take a few minutes. First of all, you've got to seek God like the wise men. 
You've got to seek God like the wise men. I don't know what you're seeking for today. Only you know that. Some of you are seeking a raise. Some of you are seeking a better opportunity. Some of you are seeking a wife. Some of you are seeking a husband. Some of you are seeking happiness. Some of you are seeking peace. You're seeking a lot of different things. But the wise men were seeking Jesus. And so if we're going to navigate our life to a wonderful life, we've got to choose to seek the right things. In fact, Colossians 3 says it this way. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Here's the question. Let me pause right now. What have you been seeking lately? Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And let me just stop right here just for a second. I want to just give you a little bit of a revelation today. And that is, in case you don't know this, there may not be a whole lot of people in your life that have your best interest in mind. In fact, if you were to ask yourself that question, as I look at the landscape of my life, whether it's my family of origin, my family of choice, the people that I work with, the people that know me, who among them can I say truly that I would really believe with my heart of hearts, that person has my best interest in mind. Here's what I can tell you. If you can count more than two fingers, you're one of the most blessed people in the room. Because just because you work somewhere doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind. Just because you're in a family doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind. Just because they're your brother or your sister doesn't mean they have the best interest in mind. And unfortunately, just because you're married to them doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind. But why would we seek God and seek those things that are above like wise men where Jesus is seated, the Bible says, this is the Bible, at the right hand of God the Father. Why, why would we be encouraged to do that? Because if there's one person that has your best interest in mind, it is the one who created you and loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross for your sins. You have God in your corner. No matter where you are with God right now, God has has your best interest in his heart. He loves you so deeply. He cares about you so deeply. And when you go through tough times, and we all do, and maybe you are right now, when you go through brokenness, and we all do, and we all will, it's good to know that we have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his opinion towards us and about us never changes, even based on our behavior. So that's why we need to seek him. If we're going to navigate our life to a wonderful life, we've got to seek God like the wise men did. We've got to make, in our journey, keep our focus on him. Focus our focus on his star. Psalms 34 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I've always loved that, you know. I've always used the illustration that uh, if you've never had an orange and I had an orange and I said, hey, taste this. You go, oh, no, I don't really like oranges. You ever tasted an orange? No, but I don't know. Listen, this orange is amazing. Put this in your mouth. That's what I love about having grandchildren now. That's what I love. My 81-year-old mother, uh, who's beautiful, by the way, and uh, was with us over Thanksgiving. I took her to a movie. And so, Pastor Sheila, we never go to a movie, by the way, um, without her saying, you want something? Now, what she's saying is, are you going to join me in this? And so what she asked, do you want something? She's so sweet. Do you want something? Here's what do I want something means. Are you going to eat some popcorn and some peanut M&Ms with me with an icy? That's what do you want something means. And so, so I said, yes, of course, of course, of course. And so I looked at my mom and I said, mom, would you like an icy? At 81, she goes, I've never had one. I went, oh! Mom, you're about to put something in your mouth at 81 that you're not gonna believe it's gonna make your tongue slap your brains out. I promise you're gonna like this a lot. My mom's just looking at me. I caught it all on Instagram. It's the cutest thing. Go to my Instagram and see it. At 81, I've got it on tape. She goes, uh, well, not tape. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I put my VHS out and recorded every second of it. Anyway. 
So I said, mom, taste it. First time at 81. Mm. Oh, that's wonder, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about. I hope you never lose your sense of wonder. You know what happens to us in life? We taste something. We see that it's good. Then we become familiar with it. My mom tasted that icy. She goes, that is so good. I go, taste it again, mom. What a joy. What a joy to introduce somebody who is a virgin. (laughs) And it's my mother to an icy. How precious is that? Anyway, that's what I love about having grandchildren because I'll go, hey, taste this. And you know, what, what, what is it in, in human nature? No. No, I promise. Taste this. Taste it for me. Okay. Mmm. 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 That broccoli's good. <laughs> Never. Anyway, so... Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We, we have a hard time understanding that, but listen, blessed is the man who trusts in him and who honors the Lord. There is no want in those who fear him. The young lions, they lack and they suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack in any good thing. Now, let me give you some good news and bad news. If you're lacking in any good thing today, it might be umbilically attached to what you're seeking. Jesus in Matthew 7 said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I prophesy and I speak over your life that as you seek the Lord and set your mind on things above, that God's going to open his rich reward over your life and open some icy top heaven (laughs) over you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the flavor you like. Psalms 14, two, I love this. Look at this scripture. The Lord looks down. The reason I'm looking over there is not to look at myself. I actually don't like that. But the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. You know what God's looking for today? You and I as his children that say, Lord, I'm gonna start seeking those things above and quit letting these things below mess my vision up and keep me from tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So if we're going to navigate our life to a wonderful future, we have to seek God like the wise men did. But here's the second thing in your notes. We have to believe the word. We have to believe the word. The Bible says faith comes by and hearing by the Word of God. And then it goes on to say this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is it that pleases God today? It pleases God today that you choose to seek him and that you move whatever you believe into faith. Let me explain the difference. You see, the wise men believed the word, but they moved their belief to faith. Why? Because they went on a journey and they navigated by his star which by the way is the next thing in your notes. If you're gonna navigate your life into a wonderful future, you've gotta follow the star, which is his star. So let's talk about these two things simultaneously. The difference between belief and faith is I can say all day long, I can tell Sheila all day long, hey, I love you, Sheila, I love you, Sheila, I love you, Sheila, Sheila, I love you, Sheila, I love you. But if my actions don't back up what I say, is at some point she's gonna say, I appreciate everything you're saying, Keith. (laughs) But I need your actions to speak louder than your words. That's how belief and faith works. You see, I've grown up in church, ladies and gentlemen. I saw a lot of believers, but I didn't see a lot of faithers. I saw people that believed in God and they felt good about themselves because they came to church and flipped God a nickel and put a little bit in the bucket and felt that they did more good than they did bad and felt pretty good about themselves, but they weren't true faithers. They weren't people that were, that were living their life to please God. They were good people that were living their life to please themselves. I grew up in it and I didn't want it. I knew I was called to ministry when I was nine years old. Somebody asked me when I was 37, you think you'll ever pastor a church? I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm that foot that can fit in that shoe because I don't play it. I don't play church. I'm not going to preach a one, two, three, bend my knee, two, three, four, 
shut the door. Five, six, seven, that's all we hope to give heaven. I'm not going to preach like that. I, I believe that God's word is to be transformational truth. I believe we're supposed to hear the word, that we're supposed to not just be hearers of the word, but the Bible says, in fact, the brother of Jesus, James, the writer of the epistle of James was Jesus' brother. That Jesus' brother said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And so when I was asked that question, I said, I'll answer that question when I'm 40. So when I'm 40, I started this church. Because I thought, maybe I can establish a church where there's a, there's a different kind of thought process. There's a different kind of, it, it can be based on leadership. And people can understand what it means to have a, a true philosophy of life more by design than by default. And that they take the word at the word's sake. And they begin to act the word out. They begin to take action. So, again, back to the difference between belief and faith. It's one thing to believe something. It's another thing to take action. Once I take action based on my belief, belief, I'm into faith. My belief doesn't please God. My faith pleases God. So God looks at me and he says, okay, what are you, I'm looking, I'm looking, the Bible's the the one that says that I'm looking down from heaven to see if there's anybody who is, believes enough in me and seeking me enough that they're taking action by faith based on what they believe. So, so the wise men, they believed the word. And so they, they walked by faith and not by sight. That's what second Corinthians five, seven did before it was ever written in the new Testament. They're walking by faith and not, and not by sight. So they take this thousand mile journey and they're following his star. And here's, what's amazing is, is I, this has been the mystery of the ages, right? There's, there's books about it. There's a new movie uh, about it. My friend Devon Franklin, who's a Hollywood producer, just produced a kind of a uh, animated type movie called The Star. And uh, by the way, we're going to have him this next year and he's going to speak. It's going to be awesome. But, but the fact is, is that, that, that it's, it's like a mystery. Okay, they followed a star, but why didn't everybody else see the star? Listen very carefully now. Why didn't anybody else, including Herod and including the other religious leaders just five miles away, see the same star? If they said, I'm following, we're following his star. Well, show us where that star is. Why were they able to see something that nobody else saw? Listen very carefully, because they were looking for something that no one else was searching for. One of the secrets of success both in business and in life and in the kingdom, because it's all kingdom, is when we start seeking for the right things. And the Bible says it like this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these other things will be added unto you. So what was amazing, Matthew 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen, and I'll say it again, his star. We've seen his star. Well, how would they even know to follow a star? Well, here's what's amazing. Now, again, I just told you that Way back in 1984, I mean, Scott Uckleback is here. He's one of my best friends growing up and, 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 and is a best friend today. And, and, and he can tell you, I mean, I was crazy. I, I was in the word. I'm still in the word. And yet I saw something for the first time that I never saw. Numbers 24, 17. Put it up there, guys. Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Now you say, what in the world is that? First of all, it's a prophecy. So let's, let's go backwards now. A prophecy by, the guy, by a guy named Balaam in the Bible. You go back to Numbers, the 22nd chapter, and something real interesting, this is one of the, the great stories of the Bible, is because here's this prophet, his name is Balaam, and so there's a king called Balak, the son of Zippor, that didn't mean anything, except they, they put the father's name so it factually and historically can be, can be proven. And so this king of Balak is the king of Moab at that time, and the children of Israel have, have now made their exodus, and they're rolling through the earth, and they're, they're, they're moving towards their promised land, and they're coming and, and they're defeating people like the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And so the Moabites hear about them and they're, they're surrounded by them. And Israel hadn't done anything yet. They haven't declared war, nothing. Nothing's happened. 
But King Balak was so upset about it. He said, listen, let's go get the seer. Let's go get the prophet. So, so they go to Balaam's house. They say, hey, we need you to come curse these people because we've heard what they did to the Amorites and we're next. God's hand is on them. And so Balak sent men to Balaam's house and Balaam said, listen, let me pray about it. And so God said, don't speak against those people. And Balak comes back and he, they, they, they report back to King, King Balak and they say, hey, he won't come because he says he's not going to say anything against God's people. And they go back to him and he said, here's what I want you to tell him. Name your price. All the gold, all the silver, we will make you very rich. And this time he said, let me talk to the Lord about it. Well, okay, he, he said I could go. And so he gets on his donkey. And he's going with him. Everything's cool. He's on a journey. All of a sudden the donkey takes off. He's uncontrollable. Balaam's hitting the donkey. He's beating the donkey. Get back on the road. Everything's cool. All of a sudden they come to a place in the road where there's a stone fence on either side. The donkey heads towards the stone fence. Balaam's going, what are you doing? What are you? He's hitting the donkey. All of a sudden he rams his leg, just, just, just like rides it along the stone fence. Balaam's screaming, hitting the donkey. Donkey finally gets back out on the road. He's riding along. All of a sudden, the donkey sits down. Balaam was so upset. He starts beating that donkey, hitting him outside. He said, beat him. This is in the Bible. All of a sudden, the donkey turns his head around and goes, why are you beating me upside my head? And the donkey starts talking to the prophet. And Balaam said, because you're all over the map, you're running me into the field, you're running me into the wall. He said, it's all in the Bible. Have I not been a good donkey? Have I not been faithful to you? Have I not served you all these years? He said, I would have killed you. I would have killed you. In fact, I may still kill you. And all of a sudden the donkey goes, look. Balaam gets his eyes off the donkey. Now I want to stop right here and I want to talk about donkeys. You see, if you're going to navigate yourself to a wonderful future, you better look at the donkey that you're riding on. Because if you're not hearing God, you're going to be having some donkeys that are going to be speaking some stuff in your ear, on the news, on Facebook, wherever you go. And if you want to know where donkeys hang out, just click on your Facebook and hang out there. And that's where you're going to find a bunch of donkeys. And let me tell you why. Because it's like my uncle who was a bank president back in the 1970s. Back in 1972, he was a, a vice president for Republic Bank and he became president of Town North Bank. And one day we were riding along and we just opened his new bank and, and it was just me and him in the car. I'm 12 years old. And we were driving by some graffiti that was on the side of the road on 635. And he goes, you see that right there, Keith? He goes, don't ever be that guy. He goes, because let me tell you something about people who write graffiti on public post. That's the only mark they'll ever make in life. That's why they feel like they got to say it. Don't be that guy. Can I just encourage you? Don't be that person that's riding the wrong donkey, that's listening to the wrong donkeys, that's jumping on this post and that post, talking like a freaking donkey about stuff you don't even know the donk about. And I just wanna encourage you. It is time for somebody to say something. This is a crazy, crazy world that we live in. And some of the meanest, nastiest Donkey Kongan people in the world are on that stuff. I wish I could say it stronger, but you wouldn't think I was a good pastor if I did. So, come on, would you put an amen on that? Let's don't be those kind of people. Because you know what you're doing? You're like the person a few years ago that was writing graffiti on concrete walls. Just don't be that person. So the donkey says, look, he looks up and Balaam sees this giant angel with a flaming sword. And the angel looks at him. Something like this. 
He wasn't looking at him like this. It was like this. Why are you being mean? It's in the Bible. To your donkey, Balaam. Well, because the donkey's running me off the road. The donkey's running my leg into the, the donkey's. The donkey's talking to me. That's because you're not listening to God. And if that donkey hadn't saved your life, I'd have cut your head off. But, pulls his sword down, the flame goes out. But since you feel like that's the way you want to go now that you've been warned, you go ahead and go. At that point, I just talked to my donkey. I said, we're going to get our donkeys out of here right now because we just got spoke to by God himself. That's not what Balaam did. He went right on his way. If you're going to navigate to a wonderful future, you got to seek God, those things that are above, not things that are below. You've got to set your mind on things above, not on what's going on right now in your world right now, but set your mind. You've got to believe the word of God. You've got to understand that you've got to follow his star. By the way, let's talk about his star for a minute, and then I'll come back to Balaam. You see, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the children of Israel were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Well, what does that represent? It's not about the fire and it's not about the cloud and it's not about the star. It's about the presence of the Lord. What were they following? They were following the presence of the Lord. And guess where the presence of the Lord led them? To the same place where you are today at Elevate Life Church. Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's what it means. And the house of Jesus. You see, when we are navigating a wonderful life, guess what we've got to do? We've got to follow the presence of God to his house and worship him. It's a, it's a natural, supernatural correlation. But again, in this world that we live in today, the average Christian comes to church once, once a month, one week out of every four weeks. And I'm not speaking, that I'm talking to the choir when I'm talking to you guys. But I'm just saying, some people, they don't place a premium, watch this, on seeking him. So they just haphazardly do that in life and therefore their life is, it's, it's like que sera, sera. I'm going way back now, Doris Day. Whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see, que sera, sera. No, the future is yours to see. In fact, the future is yours to navigate. By the way, let me just prophesy over you. I've already said it. December is going to be the best month of 2017. It's going to be the best month of 2017. Some of you, what you've been seeking, you're going to find this month. I'm just telling you. You can believe that or not believe that. But come on in agreement with me right now. It's going to be your best month this year. All right? So, so the star was not a star like we think. The star was the presence of God that they saw over the house. Nobody else could see it because nobody was looking for Jesus. Don't look for a better job. Don't look for a better spouse. Don't look for a better opportunity. Seek him and you will find him. And when you seek first his kingdom, he'll make all these other things be added unto you. Somebody put an amen on that. So back to Balaam. Balaam goes, he looks over the people, the children of Israel. He's with King Balak. And Balak goes, okay, okay, curse those people. And so he says, okay, let's build seven altars. They build seven altars. They sacrifice seven animals. And Balaam says, let me talk to God. God says, don't you curse those people. He comes back to King Balak and he says, hey, I can't curse them, but I can't bless them. I speak a blessing over the people of God. You are God's people. He has a great future for you. Great things are going to happen. King Balak is out of his mind. He said, what are you doing? I, I brought you up here to, to curse him, not bless him. He said, I can't. All I can do is bless him. But let's come back tomorrow. So they come back tomorrow. He said, okay, we, we, we killed seven innocent animals yesterday. It didn't work. Let's just do one today. So they built an altar and they make a sacrifice. And God, uh, I'm, I'm going to speak against these people. No, you're not going to speak against these people. These people are blessed. God has a destiny for their life. They're the head and not the tail. They're the first and not last. God is for them. Who can be against them? God is on their side. Whom shall they fear? He starts just prophesying good things over their life. By the way, welcome to the house of God. And all of a sudden, Balak goes, be quiet. I brought you here. I'm paying you major money, gold and silver to curse these people. He said, I can't speak against the people of God. But let's try it one more time. Third day, build an altar, make a sacrifice. 
God, what would you want me to say? Don't speak against these people. I speak blessing. I speak favor, a divine advantage for success over your life. That you'll be like trees planted by rivers of living water. That your leaf will not wither. Whatsoever you do, it'll prosper. Just starts prophesying good things. Balak is, I'm about to kill you. I brought you up here to curse him and you're blessing him. He said, I can't, I can't do that. He said, but let's, let's talk for a minute. You see, this is how important, Balak, the words of our mouth are. That what we speak out of our mouth actually happens. So I'm smart enough to know that. And I'm not going to do that. See, a lot of people aren't smart enough to know that. So they don't understand. Why do I need to seek God? Why, faith comes by, come on, and hearing by the word. Why do I need to get the word of God in me so I can speak the word out? Why do I need the presence of God light, guiding me like, a, like following a star so I can, through the house of bread, meet Jesus and worship him and, and become somebody that's wise and rich and wealthy and brings gifts and don't always need a miracle and don't always need help, but I come to worship him and to give him and to add value to the kingdom, to be that kind of person in the earth. So I, I realize I can't speak negatively against what God calls positive. By the way, let me just pause right here to say this. Nothing positive will ever happen in your life as long as you're negative. Guard your tongue, the Bible says. For out of you flow life and death. So he says, but, but here's what I can do. If you give me the gold and the silver, I'll give you some counsel. He goes, okay, what is it? He goes, just go down and intermingle and intermarry among them. And eventually they'll turn from your God to their idols. Really? Yeah. You don't have to go to war against them. Just, just go mingle with them. Listen, church. Listen, family. Just go mingle with them at work. Just go mingle with the worldly mentalities. Just, just, just allow how the world thinks. Just watch some CNN and some Fox. Just watch some... Just, just get on the political side of life and hang out there. Just get on the ethnicity side of life and hang out. Just, in other words, just, just make that the most important thing in your life and just think like the world thinks. And hey, guess what? It makes the devil's job easy because you're not speaking for God. You're not living for God, even though you believe in God. So we get to the end of the book, Revelations 2.14. And the Bible says that the children of Israel went after the doctrine of Balaam. And that Balaam's life did not end well. He died rich and separated from God. And this is a picture of many people in the kingdom today because they believe and they even speak some things that are good, but their life is not proof that Jesus is king of their life. They're following the wrong star. They're riding the wrong donkey. They're listening to the wrong voices. They're seeking the wrong things. But if you're gonna navigate your life to a wonderful future, here's the last thing. You've gotta be willing to reroute your life. You know what the Bible says? That after they worshiped Jesus, what happened? They worked out another way back home. Let me tell you what the word of the Lord is today. Some of you, God's saying, this is your day to reroute. And you're not gonna have to pull up ways because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You're not gonna have to pull out Google Maps and see where you're going. I have given you the map and it'll be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And if you'll hide this word in, my, in your heart, you will not sin against me. You won't miss it. How many of you don't wanna miss it in your future? Come on, you won't miss it if you'll allow my presence to be your guide but you gotta be willing to reroute. Well, I had the privilege for almost 15 years to speak in the world's largest business and leadership conferences, shared the platform with every former living president and I could just list names and you'd think I'd be dropping names and I'm not dropping names, I'm just telling you names. But in those environments, this is always something I would speak and here's what it is. It's called an autobiography in five short chapters. Here's chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk and I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. 
I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It takes me a long, long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are wide open. I know where I am because I've been here before. But this time, I acknowledge it's my fault. And I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down a different street. You know what God's saying today? It's time to walk down a different street. It's time to reroute. It's time not to keep going back the same way. You realize that's what the children of Israel did for 40 years. Again, I've said it already twice, but an 11 day journey took 40 years. Why? Because of the way they navigated their life. Some of you, it's taking way too long. And it's because every time something bad happens, your emotions get the best of you and you're not being led by a star, the presence of God, you're being led by your emotions. And the enemy plays with you like a pawn on a chess table. And he says, I know we'll get that person off purpose. I know we'll get that person falling into the same pit. I know what their trigger is. And if I could just keep them in that pit and for them to think that there's no way out, I've got them. And they don't even know that they're sons and daughters of God. They don't even know that they're sons and daughters of God, that they're a royal priesthood, that they're a holy nation, that they're a peculiar people. They don't even know that God has given them a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. So they're so, they're so stuck on what's not working. They're so stuck on the pit. They're so pitiful because of the pit. I'm able to keep the purpose of God from happening in their life and to keep their future like their present and their past has always been. But what they don't know is if your life doesn't perpetually get better, eventually it perpetually gets worse. So if I can keep them focused on what's not working, if I can keep them focused on what broke them, if I can keep them focused on not seeking the things that are above, but allowing the things beneath to alter how they navigate their life, then I am a good damn devil. And he is. But let me just tell you something. God is a better God than the devil is a bad devil. Listen to me. God has a plan of freedom for your future, not a plan of damnation for your future. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.